Today I'm joined by Bobby Forsyth, who is an English artist, curator, art technician and art historian residing in Ipswich, Suffolk. Throughout her career, she has explored and revisited the ideology of how the beholder experiences artworks. Her creations focus on the beholder's interaction with installation art and transforming space by utilizing both natural and artificial light. Bobby Forsyth is the founder of the Art Collective, supporting the arts, which was established in 2020. She is a curator for exhibitions that supports local, international and emerging artists. Supporting the arts was created in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, when Bobby realized the importance the pandemic had on the arts and decided to host an online exhibition to support creatives within the UK. After a great response from artists, Bobby Forsyth now hosts annual online exhibitions. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bobby. Can you please tell us a little bit more about your background? So I'm currently working as an art technician at a university in Suffolk um, and basically I get to help students with their creations as architecture students, fine art students and I absolutely love my job. Um, alongside that I work as a professional artist so I exhibit when I, whenever I can possibly you know have the chance to. Um, I also help out with ip1 magazine which is based in ipswich it's a local arts and culture magazine and i write interviews um about artists for that magazine um i'm also an expertise representative for the suffolk branch for my university i work at um and i do as mentioned just now i'm also the creator and the owner of the art collective supporting the arts so that keeps a lot of my Spare time, very busy. <laughs> wow, well, that's a re real yeah. interesting mix, Bobby. Um, and I can see your passion for the arts with all the various ventures that you're involved in. Um, so why did you choose the arts field? So, <laughs> I grew up in a very, very creative household. So it ranged from playing instruments. My mum would always play the accordion. Um, my dad would play the tin whistle or the flute. Um, grew to love creativity. Uh, if we weren't playing instruments, we were dancing or making art. Um, and then as I progressed through school, when it came to about secondary school time or high school, um, Art was the only thing that I actually seemed to excel in, and my grades supported that. Um, but I always wanted to continue to be in education, and as art was the only thing that I seemed to do quite okay in, I pursued that, and ever since I haven't looked back. I've um, progressed on to do my bachelor's and just recently finished my master's, um, and I'm very happy <laughs> That I decided to go down the creative route. That's really lovely to hear. Um, what has been your passion project so far and why? Okay, so I have two. <laughs> um, 
One of them is my degree project that I made when I was studying my fine art course for my bachelor's. And I fell in love with this. During my bachelor's, I would say that I fell in love with art theory there and then. Um, and the minimalist era or era um, around the 1960s and the art theory back then really took me. Um, and I remember I never really appreciated minimalism. I used to think it was quite plain and minimal. But I, when I started reading into criticism and the theory behind it and the, the philosophy, that's where I started to really take a liking. Um, and I created this installation for my degree project. And basically, I, I made it in response to a writing by Michael Fried where he went to go see a minimalist exhibition and he called their work literal art because basically what you saw is what you saw. There was no room for thought. There was a big cuboid. There wasn't a painting or um, anything. And he would write these criticisms suggesting that they had like an anthropomorphic type presence. So although you could quite see, clearly see that they were a cube, or a, um, a cylindrical object, for some reason he associated it with having a bit of human presence. Um, and I took that and I absolutely ran with it. <laughs> and I made this installation where I wanted the beholder to question where they were, but to still take into consideration how important their surroundings was. Um, and I wanted them to feel as immersed within the space as much as possible and the room was littered with um, motion sensor lighting and I strategically put them into different um, trigger corners within the space so as soon as you walked in through one side a light would go off and it would um, bounce off of a sculpture which is I use geometric sculptures on the wall and it would project different um, shadows all over the walls um, and then because I wanted to continue the experience, I wanted the beholder to kind of sit within this room um, and just stay still and take it all in and just enjoy it. And when they did that, all the lights would go off, so it would go completely dark. But because I used um, a, yeah, light reactive resin, I also used UV flood lighting. So when the, all the lights went off, all you had left was some faint ghostly traces of shapes um, just listed about the room. And then once you move the slightest inch or, you know, hand or whatever, the lights are cool, come back on, and then you'd be able to leave the space quite safely. Um, and that really opened up a lot of doors for me. And I remember I had my first solo show, um, and I basically recreated that installation. But that really sparked my um, writing passion when it came to art I really wanted to dive deeper into why minimalism was so important um, and then as I said my current passion is writing um, and I I have hopes to one day complete a PhD I don't know why <laughs> but I just want to push myself that a little bit more but I want to contribute to art sociology um, by studying how the curriculum 
is currently um, being portrayed to young students within the arts. Because I remember when I was in school, it was very um, male orientated what we were taught. You had the Van Goghs and Picasso. And I never really learned about diversity within arts and culture until probably higher education level. And that shocked me because you'd expect a level of flexibility um, and inclusion within the most, what I would like to call the influential um, years of learning, so early learning or high school. Um, so I'm really intrigued to study regional education and do some um, comparisons and still look into classism and how that is still apparent within um, education and oppression within pedagogy. But that's my main passion at the moment. That's what I'm aiming to do. I'm absolutely blown away, Bobby. Um, you know, I can see your passion for the arts and it's just so interesting, the concepts that you touched upon and um, really interesting what you said about art, learning art at school. I remember doing GCSE art. Um, and yes, there was, there did seem to be a lack of direction, although we had a fantastic art teacher um, when I was a student and fantastic explorations, but there was this lack of direction of this focus on the female artists, seeing that I, I studied at a girls' school as well in Full County. Um, so that's very interesting what you're exploring in terms of gender. Um, and this is something I'll come back to in a moment. I just wanted to ask you, how do you think the art scene has evolved in England? Ooh, so that the unfortunately this question is some pros and there's some cons. Um, I think in one instance it's progressed very well and there's more political inclusion. Um, and that's great, but unfortunately we still have this this umbrella of um I like to call it hatred <laughs> from the government, um and this constant belittlement about art as a subject. And that's been instilled into society. Um, and that affects how unfortunately people perceive art. Um, and though I think art history is amazing and important, um, more and more contemporary practices and artists I don't, are like diverting away from historical references and they're becoming more mindful about the present. Uh, it's refreshing and it's very exciting um, seeing so many young artists breaking the mold of what we like to call traditional um, uh, and applying that into really ballsy public exhibitions and using their voices to portray that into more political awareness. Um, and that's why I think I I kind of tend to steer away from political politics when, in art, but that was very early on in my career because I didn't quite understand it. Um, but as of recently, I've learned to love artworks by Grayson Perry. And I think he's an amazing um, role model and inspiration for a lot of young artists of his generation. Um, I can just relate to what they make the work about. And um, for some reason, there's a, a sense of familiarity, familiarity there you go, <laughs> um, with some of his backgrounds of his creations. And he hits the, mark, the nail on the head even 
on when it comes to how class is perceived within society. And then you've got other artists like Ruth Asawa, who was a really influential woman when it came to art education. Um, Carl Walker, Ah Weiwei, and Dred Scott even. And I think how the art scene has evolved is it's becoming more aware. And it's becoming, in some ways, it's still a little restricted, but it's becoming more and more accessible for a lot of people. And um, it's not as, as accessible as I'd like, but we will get there one day. I mean, this is very fascinating what you're talking about, you know, um, the little pockets of various um, art streams as well, as well as sort of the, I suppose, art becoming a little bit more audacious and um, young people being able to really explore, led by their inner insight, seeing what they're seeing around them and voicing that through the arts. Now, you talked about pursuing a PhD in the arts as well, um, um, including that and aside from that, what are your plans overall for the future? Ooh, I'm quite a big dreamer um, and I tend to put myself under a lot of stress when it comes to aspiration. But there's always been that one thing that I've always wanted to do and that's potentially own my own gallery. And I don't want it to be one of these big commercial galleries like a Tate or um, any museums that you find listed around the UK. I want it more quite personal. So where I live in Ipswich, um, unfortunately, over the years, it's become a bit of a ghost town. and We've got more coffee shops than we do any other type of shops. Um, and we've lost a sense of community and that feel of community. And I've always wanted to bring an art gallery into this community because art is for some reason although there are some organizations within Ipswich it's still lacking and, and that's because of the availability and the accessibility unfortunately within Ipswich not everybody could afford um, what's currently out there in the workshops and I wanted to change it I wanted to bring this sense of um, like a safe space for people to come together and to exhibit as freely as possible, to come to workshops, for example, like a portrait class or watercolour painting or painting on ceramics and stuff, but really cheap, affordable prices, um, so, because I understand who my potential consumers or customers would be, because I'd, I'd want to be one of them. Um, and I'll, I'll open up opportunity for local graduates um, local schools as there's quite a lot um and the opening it up to art hobbyists or art lovers professional artists or people who just want a cup of tea and just sit in a nice um visual art kind of space and just enjoy it and that's been that i have tried to progress that as as a plan but unfortunately covid got in the way um and put a lot of things on hold but that is still one of my main goals in life and hopefully I get to see that one through another one is to um regain my art passion because unfortunately I did lose it um when I say art passion I mean creating artwork I lost that I think just before the pandemic the first lockdown 
And I think it was because I was just so tired and so ran down from just finishing my bachelor's. And then I just accepted every single opportunity and ran myself into the floor. Um, and then that whole year, I just needed a break. I needed to sleep as much as possible, breathe as much as possible. Um, I'm slowly getting into the arts, but now I've gone for a more of a, a contextual side and more of a critic kind of um, perspective. But I do hope to kind of keep progressing that um, and start writing a lot more, update my blog a bit more. Um, and also to bring Sporting the Arts actually away from online and host a an, an, uh, face-to-face exhibition. I think that'd be great to finally meet everybody, yourself included. Oh, I'm absolutely um, fascinated and inspired by your thoughts, Bobby. and just so lovely to see your aspirations and ambitions and I think you're already there with some of them you know with the gallery you sort of started the first steps with supporting the arts and um, as an artist myself it's really interesting what you said about you know taking that year out to kind of really explore um, because it's just having that balance isn't it with with the time, you know, I suppose with the pressures of time and the lack of time, it's sort of about it's sort of about getting that balance right about creating quality art and then engaging with appropriate opportunities as well. Um, sometimes I feel I feel the same. Sometimes it's days and days and days where it just takes me time to even respond back to say either accepted opportunities or to say, okay, here's a piece of artwork that I've been working on, this is what I need to do to complete it, or here is a research idea for a series of artwork, here, this is what I need to do to develop it, and it's sort of really having that self-discipline, um, which is difficult, I find, nowadays, because um, I'm sure, as you're aware of the challenges of COVID-19, and I think that sort of changed changed the world's zeitgeist and the pattern of working um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, in sort of having this more focus on being self-led, self-disciplined, time management, which sometimes, you know, although these concepts are very easy to speak about, in reality, it takes a lot of grit and a lot of resilience and effort to kind of say, no, Right now, this time is for focusing on this. This is what I need to complete. I want to shut everything out and ensure I focus on my artwork um, and allowing yourself that time and space. And I'm really glad that you've actually touched upon that. And I look forward in the future as well, you know, seeing um, some of those ambitions that you have. And I'm sure they will definitely come to fruition and with the really interesting gallery concept that you have as well. So what do you think the future holds for the arts overall, locally, internationally, globally? What do you think? I have hope more than I have um, decisiveness when it comes to the future of art. And that's mainly because of how... um, I guess the, the political side of it at the minute. Um, so I have hopes because of the continuation and the development 
but what we have witnessed over the last 20 to 30 years and with this great contemporary art world we're currently in. Um, and the art world has become more diverse. Um, and although in terms of, I guess, money, this doesn't really apply when I say this word, but it's become more grand in um, numbers in the sense of more and more people are wanting to take part. Um, where I work at the university, I've I've missed having art students, um, but now they've come back, there's been such an interest again, and there's more and more art students um, applying for courses, and it's just so reassuring. Um, but I do wish that the government will hopefully one day realise how important art education is, and will stop this scary fear mongering um, about restricting the number of art subjects we actually have. Um, and I do believe that does unfortunately continue. Uh, the visual arts have a slightly fearful future. Um, but artist Tracy Emin, uh, recently discussed about opening an art school in Margate. And if we have more artistic influences like that, I think we are onto a winner. Um, after all, nobody knows the art world better than artists themselves. Um, but I have, there is an optimistic side of me and uh, an excited artist in me. Um, I do believe we're going to see a lot more next level um, artwork. So, you know, technology is progressing now. Technology is such a great integration to the arts world. And that was as of in the last decade or so, technology and AI has really amped up. And as we see with film progressing, and animation, I believe that art may potentially move on to that te technological side and away from that traditional um, historical element that we've been drilled into our minds in, in high school and stuff. But it's, it's all exciting, isn't it? I, I have so much hope. I just hope that, um, as just mentioned, that the society side of art starts to appreciate it instead of to keep dismissing it this is absolutely um fascinating bobby again i'm blown away in the sense that the themes that you touch upon some of them are very mature themes for a young artist like yourself you talk about in in what you say about this aspect of inclusion this female inclusivis inclusivity. Um, you know, Tracy Emmons is a very interesting artist. You know, when I sort of started learning about her, I thought, well, is it really artwork what she's creating? But that concept behind it, the um, process of trauma that she'd gone through, how she'd processed it to create this piece of artwork, which everybody could relate to in the sense you know um when we're talking about grief when we're talking about certain aspects of human emotions um and you're right you know we do have an increase in the number of artists um and yes the opportunities are also there but in terms of this sustainable art ecosystem in terms of this systematic support where is that Again, in terms of diversity, um, even just talking something basic as gender, 
for example, you know, where is that? Um, there has been a lot of debate that I've seen and I've read about the inclusion of female artists. Uh, and there are barriers, you know, whether it's addressed or not addressed, there are barriers for female artists and female representation. Um, sometimes you think, well, here's a piece of artwork. It's got a very strong conceptual framework behind it, very strong theory behind it. Why is it not accepted or celebrated as much as this other piece? Is it because of, you know, interlinks of who the artist knows rather than the artwork itself? And I was reading um, somebody that I knew they had actually put up a very interesting debate. Uh, they were being very brave, actually, in challenging this because art is a subjective field, you know. Where is this criteria that's coming into? And can we have more discussion about this criteria so we can include, um, especially female artists? Because I see somebody like you, you know, who I would consider a formally trained artist who is going through all the right training routes and the progression routes academically with your degrees and with your experience and with your hope of pursuing the PhD. Um, but where is that recognition, both in terms of artists that are formally trained and I suppose autodidactic artists, you know, those self-taught artists. I'm a self-taught artist, for example. And it's kind of interesting to see, well, where is this um, ecosystem for us? Um, and I think you have really touched upon some really key and central themes, which I hope in the future we can really build upon. Um, I would really thank you, Bobby, um, for joining me today. I've really learned a lot. Um, what would be your message to the audience? Um, my message to the audience would be be as open-minded as possible when it comes to the arts. Support your creative friends, especially if they open up their own business or they plan to sell artwork. Um, and go to as many art shows as possible, even the free ones, because there's some great talent out there which unfortunately is not yet discovered. <laughs>